Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture, BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello, and welcome back to the Food Therapy Podcast. Today, we are joined by Allie Major, and she is a registered dietitian and certified life coach, and she is the founder and CEO of Well by Allie. Allie has a master's in clinical nutrition and dietetics from NYU, and she completed her dietetic internship at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. In her practice, she helps women get to the root cause of their symptoms to optimize their health from post-birth control to post-baby through nutrition, lifestyle, and functional medicine testing. Welcome, Allie. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited for this conversation. Me too. Why don't you get started? I mean, I basically just introduced you, but who you love to work with, how you got into the work that you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So going back a little bit, um, I wasn't always in the nutrition space. I actually post-college went to a very pre-professional college. So didn't really even realize that being a dietitian was a career that people had. Um, so I went and worked at L'Oreal in their like marketing analyst program. And then I actually thought that I always wanted to work in fitness. So I then worked for a small boutique fitness studio and led their marketing. Absolutely loved it. And the only thing that was an issue for me there was that my outlet was always exercise, like my stress outlet. And then my outlet became my stress because it was my work. So it wasn't really a good fit. Even though I absolutely loved the company, loved the founders, and it was an amazing team and experience. But it was really there that there were a lot of women coming in and out talking about nutrition, all the trainers that talk about nutrition all the time, as I'm sure you can expect. Um, A lot of pregnant women coming in and out of the studio. And we really talked about nutrition a lot. And I was like, you know what, like, this is really a passion of mine, like, I really should figure out like how I can make this a career. So I looked into it more looked into all the options, you know, you guys are obviously dietitians. So you know, the plethora of options of like IIN and coaching and whatnot. But me being the type A self that I am, I was like, you know, I have to get the degree and do everything because I needed to be a lifelong career. So um, I went back to get my degree was accepted to NYU. And I hadn't taken one class undergrad in science. So I had to do everything from like or go to biochem. And then three and a half to four years later, after my residency at Sloan, um, I took my board exams and I'm a dietitian. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was a year and a half ago now. Um, And then I immediately started my own private practice called Well by Allie. And I specialize. I've always been really interested in women's health and hormone health and the stages of post-birth control to post-babies. So people who are either just trying to balance their hormones or women going who are actively trying to conceive and women who are having difficulty doing IVF or IUI and then during pregnancy and then postpartum as well um, with breastfeeding. And then ultimately some people want weight loss health and some people don't. Um, And 
through that, I honestly had to do a lot of additional training myself. So I became trained in functional medicine um, in order to really get to the root cause of a lot of things that were going on with women, hormonally, gut health, um, vitamin and mineral imbalances, et cetera. So now my practice is really integrated into uh, a concierge functional medicine practice where um, women will really work with me based off of whatever their goals and their needs are based off of their stage of life um, in order to balance their hormones, their gut health, um, their thyroid health, et cetera, from a nutrition perspective in addition to a functional medicine perspective. And um, that's really it. I feel like it's so interesting too because... I think like most women like really don't know what's going on with their hormones. And I don't think there was a lot of education around it in general. So I would love to talk about birth control. We always hear, I mean, you know, it's always this balance, right? Of like, okay, what's fear mongering? What's true? Is it actually harmful? Is it not? Um, But I feel like birth control is very elusive, right? Because there's this side of things where it's like Western medicine pushing birth control, you get cramps in high school and they push birth control on you, mm-hmm. you get symptoms. What is it actually doing in the body short-term, long-term? I know you're not anti-birth control, obviously, but how can we be more educated about it? Mm-hmm. And what are the things people should really know about it? Yeah. So I'm going to say like two things up front here. One, you said this already, I'm not anti-birth control. I'm pro being informed. And the likelihood is that when you were 15 years old, you went to your doctor. And regardless if you were sexually active or not, you had period cramps or irregular cycles, heavy cycles, etc. And your doctor was gave you a prescription. And that was that and you didn't think twice about it. That's what happened to me. And most of the women that I talk with, right? So it's not that I am anti birth control it's that I wish that I was, I wish I even knew what I was taking, right? And I wish that I was informed there's been so much more research on it in the last 20 years, but I wish that I was really just more informed. Um, And it's seen as a bandaid for every hormonal issue, whether you have regular cycles or you have an actual diagnosis like PCOS. So, or have skin issues. So um, it's really seen as like a, as a tool that can just help people feel better. And the reason why it is used is because it's, turns off your body's natural production of hormones and you're taking synthetic hormones. So even if you have a period when you're on birth control, it's not a real period. It's a synthetic bleed um, and it's not an actual period. So there are a lot of things that can happen and there's a lot of different forms of birth control, right? So um, there's there's the pill, right? Where you're likely taking a combination of, of different hormones. And then there's IUD, the IUDs, which are also hormonal. And then there's the copper IUD, which also comes with a slew of other issues as well. Um, and long-term birth control, there have been a lot of studies on it that can really deplete a lot of vitamins and minerals from your system over time. Um, and... And because you have, you're taking synthetic hormone or your, or the IUD is releasing synthetic progestin, your body has to detox, has to detox and clear the synthetic hormone, right? And your liver has to work extra hard. So it puts stress on your liver and it also can disrupt our um, gut microbiome. So 
we have what's called an estrobolome in our gut microbiome, which is an additional, like a subsidiary of your gut microbiome. It's within your gut microbiome and it's dedicated estrogen. So what happens is your estrobolome can become out of balance. Um, and what happens is you can have um, increased estrogen throughout your system and you ju- your gut can't really regulate estrogen levels properly. So that can lead to gut imbalances like bloating or heavy periods, migraines. And a lot of the functional medicine tests can actually test of like whether that's actually happening for you or not when somebody goes off of it. Um, And it's an easy fix, but if you don't know what the root cause is there, you're never going to be able to figure it out, um, which is why the functional medicine tests are so important. Back to the liver, uh, which I forgot to mention. So the synthetic hormones is one thing, but your gallbladder produces bile, which you guys know, but it can help um, with the digestion of fat and cl- and the clearance of cholesterol. So without the, the correct production of bile, you can actually have impaired uh, digestion of food. Um, and you also have impaired uh, cholesterol clearance, which can in turn affect your ability to absorb nutrients, which obviously is super important. And then your ability to clear cholesterol. So And that can ultimately, there's been studies that like all of these symptoms together can also impact your mental health as well. So it's really important to deal with these issues like separately, get your bloods taken, make sure that you're, when you're transitioning off, you're you're dealing with any deficiencies that you know that you have, or maybe you don't know that you have, and then I work with you to figure out what those are. Um, really figuring out how to support your liver health, figuring out how to support your gut microbiome. And um, working with someone doing this is really important because there's a lot of misinformation out there of what people should be doing. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, I was just going to ask, like, what when it comes to like the gut microbiome, like, what are some tips, obviously things are going to be very specific depending on someone's labs and, and someone's workup, but what are some like recommendations, um, to kind of help aid in the gut microbiome? Yeah. So I'm a food first person, right? So, um, specific probiotics can help. That is very specific on what your GI map looks like, which is a test that I offer, which we can obviously go through. But the first things that I always talk about are replenishing. What does your diet look like? What types of foods are you eating? And what can you add versus like, what can you take out? It's really about what what can we add to your diet? Um, And replenishing good bacteria by consuming probiotic rich foods, like kimchi, uh, pepper, organic grass-fed yogurt, um, tempeh, kombucha, things like that. Um, and prebiotic food, which helps feed the good bacteria. So like garlic, onion, um, artichokes, uh, oats, bananas, apples, things like that. And then consuming a, a high fiber diet. So from food, first of all, I <laughs> want make that clear, no fiber powders. Um, so oats, brown rice, quinoa, variety of fruits and vegetables. Um, and then in, just making your diet plant forward. I'm not saying like plant-based, but plant forward. Um, 
And I talked about a probiotic already, but that should really be incorporated based off of like what your results are. It's so interesting to like, in terms of plant forward, I love that term, but I think a lot of people in our audience, it's like, that seems like such a hard thing to do Yeah, because vegetables have been such a, like when you're on a diet, it's like, you have to eat this salad. You have to eat this, Mm. you have to have the dressing on the side and you can't dress them up. Right. Like even the simplest thing of like, maybe you add some butter to your broccoli. Like that's still for you. Right. Like, yeah. How can you make vegetables and these things more fun rather than like, Oh, this is a chore and I hate vegetables. And I hate. Yeah. Yeah. Like blend them into make a yummy soup, like put them into your tomato sauce. Like it's, it's not again, like put some like grass fed butter on your broccoli. Yum. Like it's really about also finding what vegetables you like. Like I'm not saying like, go get a, romaine salad with like olive oil and lemon squeeze on it and like that's what you're supposed to be eating for lunch like it's really about finding what makes you feel good and what you enjoy because at the end of the day like food is a source of happiness right so it's really important to incorporate things that you actually enjoy in life and find if that's like carrots and cucumbers for you, then that's carrots and cucumbers for you. If it's broccoli with butter for someone else, great. It really doesn't matter what it is. It's just finding something that is personally enjoyable for you. Totally. And can you go back to the cholesterol component real quick? Do you Yeah. like, for example, so I'm totally open to sharing that I have done these tests with Allie from coming off birth control. If you have any examples that like you've seen in mind, that would be helpful. Feel free to share, but I have high cholesterol in my lab values. Can that be related as like my body isn't clearing it because of, you know, all the things we're working through? Yes. Yes, definitely. And I'm, I can't say that it's cause and effect, but right. I can say that it's, it, it can be a, a contributing factor to it. Um, and if you're comfortable with my sharings, one of the results from the test that we saw was that you do have increased circulating estrogen in your gut microbiome. So it is um, it is a really interesting piece that you also have increased cholesterol because we're seeing that your liver is working really hard um, to detox all this excess hormone, not, not only what's in your body, what your body's creating, but also the synthetic hormone from the um, birth control that you've been on for so long. So, and then that also impacts um, how cholesterol is cleared from your system. So all this stuff is so interconnected. And that doesn't mean like, oh, if you're on birth control, and like, we can also talk about this. It doesn't mean that like, if you're on birth control, all these things are going to happen to you. Like, that's definitely not the case. It just is. um, It's on a person by person basis, but all of it is in more in more in specific example that is can definitely be related. Yeah. I also think the depletion of minerals is so interesting because I think this happens with a lot of medications too, like even something like the antidepressants and, Mm -hmm. you know, anti-anxiety meds. I feel like that's like one thing that I was never told anytime I've taken medication in my lifetime of, oh, like this potentially could be something that's going on in your body. So I find that to be fascinating. Yeah. I mean, doctors often, and look, I'm a proponent of anti-anxiety medication, anti-depression medication, I'm a big proponent of, of how these medications can impact people's lives for the better. 
it's rare that doctors will tell you nutritional side effects of things. Yeah. They tell you like, oh, your libido might decrease or you yeah. like things that things that or like if you get dizzy, then let me know. Or like if you have an actual medical side effect and right. tell them versus like, oh, your um like your Magnesium. vitamins might <laughs> right. Right. Like, right. So yeah. um yeah. Unless like the medication actually has like an interaction with a certain vitamin, right. which we've learned about in school many times. Um, but yeah. And that's what's interesting with, with birth control too. I feel like there have definitely been connections to like an increase in anxiety and depression. And I almost feel like sometimes, and again, it's not like hating on doctors at all, but I at times I feel like it's almost like when, when people go in and say like, this is what's happening, I'm feeling more anxious, it's dismissed and it's not spoken about like as much the impact that birth control might have on mental health. Can you speak to that at all, um, just in general? Yeah, so I think that from what I've seen, well, first off, number one, your gut and your mental health are very connected. So there's been a lot of research on the gut-brain connection um, and on how that can impact your mental health as well. There's also a lot of research on being deficient in a bunch of vitamins and minerals that can affect your mental health too. The other thing that can affect your mental health is if you have side effects from birth control that people that ultimately make somebody not necessarily feel like themselves. Like I've had a lot of anecdotal evidence of clients who said, you know, like, I just don't feel like myself or like, I feel really irritable or I feel Mm -hmm. like, I feel like I'm, um, I don't like I, I, I look in the mirror and like, I don't really like recognize myself anymore. Or like, I feel bloated all the time. Or I, I, I actually have symptoms that I, that are affecting then my mental health. So it can go both ways. Like it can actually be like an emotional connection to mental health, or it can actually be something that's like physiologically happening that can affect Mm -hmm. how your like gut and brain are are talking to each other or if you have deficiencies, et cetera. So if somebody is on an SSRI, anti-anxiety, antidepressant, um, and or birth control, are there certain, and obviously again, like the whole, you know, it should be customized and personalized and whatnot, but are there any kind of blanket recommendations in terms of, you know, certain nutrients you should be incorporating, multivitamins, um, you know, adrenal cocktail, all those different things? Yeah. So in an effort to not give blanket recommendations, I, I feel like most people can benefit from having some sort of adrenal cocktail if they are burnt out, unless they have like a medical reason they shouldn't be taking it. So our adrenals use um, vitamin C in a st- when you're in a stressed out state, um, our adrenals use vitamin C more than any other gland in our body. Um, and vitamin C is also one of the vitamins that can be depleted through birth control. Um, and then you're also need your when you're burnt out your magnesium you burn through magnesium which is also another one that is depleted from birth control um sodium potassium um is regulated through uh your adrenal glands as well so that's important to keep regulated in the correct ratio so an adrenal cocktail 
with adding like magnesium or coconut water for extra potassium can be really helpful for almost everyone, um, especially in the world that we live in today when everyone's just working a tremendous amount of hours staring at screens, et cetera, and most people feeling burnt out. Um, it is a multivitamin, a good multivitamin um, is important. What I like to say is that uh, prenatals are just really well-sourced, really uh, great multivitamins for women. I think there's a misconception that prenatals like make people fertile. They by no means make people fertile. They um, help with fertility in terms of if you're depleted in those nutrients, but really what it's for is like when you're pregnant and and uh want or before you're pregnant to help optimize your egg quality and then two when you are pregnant to help with the growth and development of your baby right so it's not that you'll get pregnant if you take a prenatal it's just that you're setting yourself up for success in that point of your life if and when you even want to but you're giving your body the correct one type of nutrient so (laughs) we know this just from school but in general there's different forms of of vitamins and minerals and those different forms can have different levels of absorbability or actual effectiveness in our body and good prenatals have the type of form that we want and the amount is also important too so for example they're like vitamin d is a really important vitamin and most people are deficient in vitamin d especially i mean like i live in new york like we don't see much sunlight right so Vitamin D can be in its synthetic lab-made form or it can be in D3, which is its active form. So we can, we absorb D3 much better than we absorb D2. So it's really important to really understand those types of things. And then the amounts as well, like prenatals generally have higher amounts of things than like generic multivitamins. And you often see in really good prenatals, you might have to take a few more pills, but that's really because you have to, your you can only fit so much in one pill and other things that i really do are focusing on nutrition um and a well-balanced diet and that doesn't mean that people can't have sugar and they can't have things that they enjoy it's about again like a full balanced diet which includes uh fruits and vegetables whole grains fats um nuts and seeds and proteins and things that you can feel like you can incorporate into your day-to-day and that doesn't mean you can't have your like the chocolate chip cookie you really like it's just making sure you're adding in all the things like the fruits and vegetables and the protein fats etc on top of that and stress is a really big one as well so really talking about like mindfulness um how you feel like you can decrease your stress how you which is really different for everyone. For some people that's going on a walk and for some people that's meditating. Um, so working with what works for you and your lifestyle. And I would say those are like the four things that I really focus on initially. Um, and then once we get into the nitty gritty of the functional test, we can go into like what individually is like actually based off of your results. And would you say, uh, like, I, I feel like a lot of those recommendations are like, is that similar to someone that you're working with who's like, I want to come off birth control and I want to come off in the most efficient way, if you will, right? How are we transitioning off of it? What are those typical recommendations? Are they similar? Yeah, so they are similar. The food thing is really important. The stress is important. Um, It is important to support your liver as well. Um, 
through, uh, I mean, it really depends again, like if someone's on specific medications, like I don't suggest like any liver supplements or anything like that. Um, so it really is super individualized, but when it comes to lifestyle, those are definitely the types of things that I suggest. Um, it is really helpful to help support your liver process those synthetic hormones so your body can more quickly get rid of them, basically. Um, and then um, supporting your gut health. So as we talked about before with the different types of foods for gut health, the different um, well-rounded diet that I just talked about, and then the multivitamin with AKA prenatal. So yeah, it's very, it's very similar. Cool. I remember going on a prenatal in high school and I thought it was like the most taboo thing ever because I feel like in high school, like you're doing everything chocolate pregnant and then like, I'm taking a prenatal vitamin. Yeah. But really, as you said, it just happens to be the most probably efficient type of um, multi- is there a brand that you like? Isn't there like Full Circle or something? That's a good Fullwell. One? Yeah, Fullwell okay. is the brand that I like. Um, it's also really important to take a fish oil if you are trying to conceive. So they have a separate, um, separate pills for that. Um, what I usually say is if someone's taking it as a multivitamin, so that the um, dosage is eight capsules, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, what? Especially, yeah, especially if someone's pregnant and nauseous, it can be difficult. So. Um, I suggest incorporating it. Like you can break the capsules and their powders. So like putting them into smoothies or, um, and you can't really taste them. Um, the other thing that you can do is you take them as a multi and not as a prenatal. You can take four instead of eight because you're not like the things that are really important for like fetal growth and development, um, aren't necessarily like what's important for you right now. So, um, taking four is even better than just going to like a CVS and grabbing a women's multi off the shelf. It's interesting too, because you say, you know, like if you're trying to conceive, you shouldn't be taking a fish oil or something, but it's like at the end of the day, your fertility is also an indicator of your health. Mm. So it's kind of like, all right, you're trying to, whether you're trying to conceive or not, those nutrients are still important for health. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, I think that people who don't look there people eat in very different ways like some people are vegan some people eat everything some people are like meat forward whatever it is people have different um parts of their diet that will have holes in them so like if somebody doesn't really eat fish then i'll say like okay you should really be taking a fish oil or one that's um like algae based or something like that if they don't want to take fish oil so that really depends on the person like if somebody's like oh i eat like salmon three times a week, I'm like, okay, then, and I eat a lot of fats and you don't necessarily need to take a fish oil. But if you are trying to conceive, then yeah, that's something that I, yeah. I also think something with conceiving that like also isn't really spoken about as much. And this is something I've seen with clients and friends is like eating enough. I think a lot of people oh, yeah. who are dieting um, or have either like restricted their intake, maybe they're like below their, you know, quote unquote set point range they're not eating enough. And what happens is the body is like, oh, I'm not ready to conceive. And, you know, think about how many people lose their period when they're under eating. It happened to me for two years. And that's really like your body trying to tell you something. But I can't even tell you how many people I know that have, and listen, there's so many different factors that come into infertility. 
However, not eating enough, putting that kind of stress on your body, like cannot possibly be good. So one, I'm so glad you brought this up because (laughs) I can't believe I forgot. I haven't mentioned it yet. That's like probably one of the number one things I see with my clients is that people aren't eating enough. Um, and I, you know, it's just like toxic. I mean, I'm sure you guys talk about it all the time on the podcast, but it's a toxic cycle of like women thinking that they're not supposed to, um, and they're supposed to be eating a certain way. They're not supposed to be eating as much as like their male partner, if they have a male partner. Um, and the reality is, is that not only does it affect your fertility, but it affects like your entire body system. It affects your thyroid. It affects your metabolism. It affects it affects your ability to create hormones. Like it is so important to be eating enough. And it's really part of the nutrition education and a lot of what I do with my clients first off yeah. is like explaining what that means. People are like, oh my God, I shouldn't be eating that much. I'm like, yes, that's, right. it's, it's not. And like to us, it's, it's normal to be eating that way. But to most people, because of diet culture, it's not. And I think there's also the skewed reality of like, well, in order to conceive, I have to be my healthiest. And to a lot of people, their quote unquote healthiest is their thinnest, aka they have to eat less when it's yeah, kind of yeah. And and I also think the other the other issue too, I've seen this with so many of my friends, is they've been on birth control since they were fifteen. They get off birth control once they get married and they're trying to conceive, and they don't really allow for that time to like get their period back and to see like, Oh, has my, have I been getting a regular period? That's not the synthetic period from the pill. And unfortunately I do have a lot of, and not unfortunately, IVF is amazing. And having, um, having that as an option is awesome. But there are so many people that I know that I honestly think if they just allowed their bodies to gain more weight and to be at the weight in which they're supposed to be, they would have, um, a different experience. And it's just, I, I know there are so many people that would just rather do IVF than even have that. And, and I have so many friends too, that end up gaining more weight in pregnancy. And they're like, what is happening to my body? It's like, that's what your body needs to allow for this pregnancy to happen. And that tends to be, you know, when somebody is underweight, um, when they get pregnant, you hit the nail on the head, like really hit the nail on the head. Look, IVF and IUI and surrogacy and all these things are so, 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 so integral to fertility treatment, et cetera, and to allow people to have children, right? Yes, it's, it's incredible. Like, we're it just <laughs> announcement. We're not, we're not. Oh my God. Not, I'm yeah. so pro. No, we're so, so, so pro. pro. We're so yeah. pro fertility treatment. What we're saying is that, or what I've personally also experienced from working with a lot of women going through IVF or IUI or just people who are taking medications to ovulate, et cetera. Fertility clinics do not discuss nutrition. They don't. It's medication only. And like, no matter what you talk to them about, they won't really talk about your blood labs that much. They won't really talk about nutrition. It's really like, okay, this is your schedule of your injections. Your egg retrieval will be here this state. Your your implantation will be this state. And hopefully you'll get pregnant. It's nothing it's not really the like why behind it unless someone has like endo and PCOS and like or uterine fibroids or like a history of like really, really serious conditions that can be managed 
100%, but do impact your fertility, right? So the number one thing is that, which is unfortunate, is that a lot of people don't end up thinking about like, oh, what are my vitamin levels like? Or, oh, what's my nutrition like? Until they're at that fertility treatment point, which makes my work actually very difficult because if a fertility clinic sends someone my way, which there's really only one in the city that is really that open to like nutrition stuff, which is pretty crazy. It's when they're already doing fertility treatment or they're already on that like bandwagon of like, oh, I'm like ready to do this process. Right. So for me, I can't do any of my testing because we're never going to get to a root cause because you're taking exogenous hormones. We can't do a hormone test. Any GI map test or gut health test that we would possibly do has a protocol that is that you can't do if you're if you're going under if you're undergoing IVF or IUI or any type of hormone treatment. So we can talk about your food, but it takes three months for your eggs to mature. And if you have some sort of vitamin or mineral deficiencies or eating issues, that can take. Deficiencies can take three months, but if you have like disordered eating or any other type, we all we all know that takes way more than three months. So it's it's a really, and that also creates deficiencies. So it's and like and also creates deficiencies. Yeah, 100%. so it's like this battle of like wanting to help someone and someone also wanting help, but also wanting to be pregnant at the same time, but also knowing that like they're probably things they can be doing to help their fertility. It's a very interesting web that you get tangled in that ultimately usually is me giving them nutrition help and trying to get them through the process and like really looking at their blood labs and stuff like that. But it's not necessarily doing all the things we could be doing if they came to me six months prior. And it's not as tangible for them at that point, right? A hundred percent. Willing to conceive and then they're like, oh, should I? probably should have done this six months ago. Can you speak to, uh, with all this fertility talk, how does birth control affect fertility? Does it run how long you've been on the pill? How does it impact it? So the number one thing here is that everyone's different. Like I did a a Q&A at, um, on Instagram the other day and someone was like, how long will it take me? How long will it take me? It's very different for every person, right? Some people it takes three months. Some people can take over a year. Some people like get pregnant without even knowing it because they ovulate before they get their period, right? So it's so different. What I will say is that it usually takes some time because people normally go on birth control because there was an issue in the first place. So like if you have PCOS, which is by the way, a condition or a syndrome that is very manageable if you do it from a nutritional at nutritional perspective and really work closely with a dietitian who really knows what they're doing. It's very manageable um, for a lot of women who decide to not do birth control. It just is hard. So you have to put in the work, right? And birth control is an easy solution. But anyway, so a lot of women go on birth control for hormonal imbalances. So like if you're on it for 10 years and then that hormonal imbalance is still going to exist, it's just been like muted for 10 years, right? So it takes those types of people who go on birth control, like not because they had a regular cycle, but because they like, you know, as Brittany was saying, like 
had some sort of disordered eating and they wanted to like regulate their cycle or had a hormonal imbalance, those are the, those types of things are still going to exist post birth control. So that is what really takes a lot of the work. Um, so my answer is difficult because it's every single person is different and it really depends on why you went on in the first place, how long you've been on it a hundred percent because how long you've been on it can affect the like severity of some of the deficiencies or like the gut health stuff, et cetera. Um, and then also uh, just like your personal ability to like detoxify things and how your body system works. So again, very individual. So I know that's a frustrating answer. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it all comes back to the same thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Personalization and nutrition, but you mentioned this like muting, right. Of like how birth control mutes certain symptoms yeah. and whatnot. How does it do that? Like, for example, if your minerals are depleted, how is it muting that? Can you explain that a little bit? What I meant by muting was it's muting your hormones. Um, so uh, your hormones, you're not producing natural hormones in your body. You're taking synthetic, like exogenous hormones. So, or your um, people who are on IUD, some people still do ovulate. So like it's slightly better um, than taking just uh, the pill but it's muting your body's ability to regulate its own hormone. Got it. Okay. Versus like the vitamins and minerals. It's not muting anything in, in that regard. Totally. Totally. All right. Well, this has been incredible. You are a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you? How can they work with you? Give them the deets. Yeah. Um, this has been amazing. So thank you. Um, you can find me at well by Allie on Instagram at well, W E L L by Allie, A L L I, um, or well by Allie.com. You can feel to contact me there and yeah, we'd love to hear from anyone. Amazing. Reach out to Allie. She's amazing and have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.